morning to everyone and welcome to the well here at STSA where we are in week two of a series called Summer Packing List. And for those who were here last week, as Danny mentioned a minute ago, we are talking about three must-have disciplines for the spiritual disciplines that we need to make sure that we incorporate throughout our summer. Now, these disciplines aren't really specific to summer. In fact, they should be things that are going on year-round. But the reason why is usually we're talking about it in summer because usually when summer comes around, it's our time to kind of kick back and let go of some of the things that we need to tighten up on. So that's why we're talking about it during this time. Last week, we talked about a very, very, very small item that you need to pack in your summer packing list, no matter where you go, beach, hiking, mountains, doesn't matter where you travel, you take your little book of hours, your daily structured prayer, your egbeah fits in your pocket, fits in your purse. Hopefully, you can even store it in your heart, okay, but at least in your purse or your pocket till it gets in the heart. But today, we're going to see our second item for our packing list, and it's a little bit larger than the egbeah. But it's something that we still need to make sure, no matter how big it is, that we carry it with us everywhere we go this summer. And that item is this chair. You recognize this chair, right? You've seen this chair before. You've all seen this chair. Everyone has this chair in their house. Now, it may look different in your house. The size may be different. The shape may be different. Okay, maybe one of those stiff ones with a stiff back or maybe a comfy one where you can snuggle in. Okay, or it may look exactly like this one. If you are from the George Mason lobby, you may recognize this chair. But this chair, <laughs> this chair, can't hear? No? Okay. Can you hear? There we go. There we go. This one's back. Okay, thank you. That's what you're trying to tell me. Thank you. This chair, while you may not realize it, you may have walked by this chair a thousand times in your house. Could be upstairs, could be downstairs, could be outside, could be inside. You may have walked by it a thousand times without realizing that this chair is the most important place in your house. Did you know that? That this chair, which exists in your house, and even though I've never been to your house, I know this chair is there, and why this chair is most important, because this is the chair that I promise you that Jesus sits at every single day waiting to meet you. Every single day, the second you wake up, Jesus is there, and he's sitting, and he's waiting, and he's hoping that you will pull up a chair next to his chair, and you'll spend some time with him. Now, when I say Jesus is waiting there to, to, to meet you every morning, he's not waiting in a chair like your boss may be waiting in a chair, like I'm waiting for you, not like that, not like the principal, I need you to come see me after third period kind of a chair. Think of it more like a best friend wanting to share. Think of it more like a father wanting to guide. Think of it more like a doctor trying to heal. There's a, a story in the Old Testament, you may have heard, it's a famous story called the burning bush, of when one time Moses was just going about his day as usual, just walking around the field, shepherding his whatever, and he's walking around, and he's not thinking about anything special. But then all of a sudden he walked by a bush, that was his version of a chair, and that bush was on fire. And that bush started to speak to him. And Moses had the wherewithal. Moses was smart enough, he was, he was, he was led by God enough to know, hey, bush like that on fire, let me stop. Let me stop my to-do list for a few minutes and let me see what God is trying to speak to me. And I'm telling you, every single one of us in our homes, whether we realize it or don't, there's a burning bush inside our homes. There's a place where every day God is appearing and God is saying, I have a message for you. I want to lead you. I want to guide you. And if you know the story of Moses, this is where God told Moses, this is your plan, my plan for your life. This is your mission. This is how you're going to find your calling in life. And it was because Moses stopped 
at the bush, or for us the chair, that he found it. So I say the chair is the most important place in your house, but here's the problem. For most of us in our homes, I wouldn't say most of us, but for many of us, the chair is vacant. It's empty. It may at best hold a Bible. It's become like a really big Bible holder where we like put the Bible on it and we're like, we need to get there one day. Maybe we have a little pen, a little journal, but that's it. So it's just a really expensive nightstand is what it basically is. And for unfortunately for many of us, Jesus sits there day after day. And every day, because we're good people, we're church people. So it's not that we don't know the importance of it, but what happens is we just, you know, life is busy. You know what I mean? It's just one of those seasons. You ever been that one of those seasons? Some of us have been in a season since like 2012, okay? One of those seasons of life that just happens to be busy. Or you know what? Like the kids, the kids are sick or the kids are tired. Or you know what? Let's be honest. Why we often miss the chair? Netflix won again. Netflix beat us once again. And unfortunately for many of us, like I said, that chair goes empty. But my goal here for today is to convince you that time in that chair is not a nice to have. The time in that chair is not an optional. The time in that chair is the most essential thing that you do every day. And if you get it, you got everything that you need for the day. And if you miss it, you missed everything that you needed for the day. Regardless of what happens, the other 23 hours and 45 minutes, if you get this, you got the day. And if you miss this, then no matter what else happens, you miss the day. There's a famous story in Luke chapter 10. Of one time, Jesus went to visit someone's home and sat in a chair. He went to visit the home of two ladies named Mary and Martha. I'm sure you've heard the story. I'm sure you've used the expression about being a Martha. In the story, Jesus goes and visits, and he sits down in a chair. And one of the two sisters sits right there at his feet. Says, I'm not moving. I'm staying right there. And the other sister's like, hey, we got work to do. And we got to clean the kitchen. And we got to serve the food. And we got to change the baby's diaper. Maybe not diaper, but you know what I'm saying. Like there was all these things that needed to be done around the house. And there was action items. There were two doing all those things were good. All those things were important. All those things were like, yeah, we need to get these things done. So I'm not saying they weren't important. But Jesus gave his opinion on the two sisters, the one who sat and the one who worked. And he said this in Luke chapter 10, verse 41 and 42. He says, Martha, Martha, insert your name there. Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed. But one thing is needed. Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. Every one of us can relate to Martha. Every one of us reads the story and we're like, yeah, Martha, I'm on that side. Like if we divided the Marys and Marthas on one side and uh, like no one jumps to that Martha side, especially living in D.C. metropolitan area year 2022, whatever it is, whatever our career, whatever our kids, we're busy people. We have lots on our to do list. I get it. I'm the same way. But here's the thing. If your home, if your home is a church, which it is, your home is a church, the chair is the altar of the church. The chair is the holy of holies. The chair is the sanctuary. The chair is where Christ sits. And it's a shame. It's sad. It's something that's, I, I, I want I'm not using this word over, like I'm not over, over exaggerating. It's tragic. If we were to leave Christ sitting there, and day after day after day after day, walk right by, never spend time with him. So my goal here for today <clears throat> is to convince you that that's the most important time of your day, even if it's just 10 minutes, even if it's just 15 minutes. That's the most important time of your day. And I want you to see, when it comes to this time with the chair, what you should be doing, how you should be doing it, and most importantly, why you should be doing it. So let's start with the why. 
Why is this so important? And in order to understand why, I want to go to a passage from Scripture that's not from this chapter, Luke 10. I want to go to the chapter previous to that, which is Luke chapter 9. And in Luke chapter 9 is a story of one time where Jesus sent out his disciples on a mission trip where he sent them two by two, told them to heal the sick, preach the gospel, cast out demons. And he told them to go do all these things, and then they had just returned from this mission trip. We'll pick up the story in Luke chapter 9, verse 10. And the apostles, when they had returned, told him all that they had done. Then he took them and went aside privately into a deserted place belonging to the city called Bethsaida. He took them into a deserted place. They were, like I said, doing the mission, casting out demons, like doing all the stuff that's like, this is why Jesus came. Jesus came to cast out the demons. Jesus came to heal the sick. Jesus came to preach the gospel. And they just came back from doing that. And you would think that Jesus would be so focused on the work that they had done, but he wasn't. What was Jesus' focus? The work they had done? No. The focus was the relationship. The focus was, now I miss you. You've been gone so long. Let's go away to a deserted place. Let's go away to a place where it can be just me and you. Let's have bonding time. Let's share. Let me share what I've been on my heart the last week while you were gone, and let me hear what's on your heart, and let's have a relationship. Let's focus on intimacy with one another. I think of right here, okay? Oh, Lord. Okay, there we go. Intimacy. <laughs> intimacy. Here we go, the mood lighting, okay? Especially when you hear what story I'm going to tell next, okay? On my wedding night, okay? <laughs> on my wedding night. <laughs> think back, okay? Stick with me right here. Your mind's in the gutters, okay? On my wedding day, wedding day was a long day, okay? If you've been married, you know, wedding day is a long day. You got to get up early in the morning, okay? And you got to get dressed, and you wear the tie, and you wear the thing, and then there's pictures before the wedding, pictures at the wedding, pictures after. And I don't know why I look the same from the beginning. I don't know why I need all these pictures, okay? But everyone wants a picture of this, a picture of that. I'm like, it's the same picture. Copy, paste, let's go. This is very inefficient. Take all these pictures. That's great. And the church service was fantastic. Absolutely loved it. So prayerful. And then you drive over to the place and then the reception and that's great. And there's hundreds of people and everyone wants to greet. And that's fantastic. And then the greeting line, okay, great. And then the little bubble thing as we were, okay, all that's great. But to me, in my mind, as great as the wedding day was, as great as the church was, I'm looking at the engaged couples right there, as great as the wedding day, as great as the reception, as great as all that, only thing that was on my mind, I just couldn't wait to be alone with my wife at night, to pray. <laughs> to pray all the hours of the day. <laughs> because all the stuff, it's nice. But I just couldn't wait for that to end. I just wanted to be alone with my wife. I just wanted like that intimacy. I just wanted that bond. I just wanted like that's that. And I'm telling you, Jesus is kind of the same way right here. He's like, it's great that you did the mission. It's great that you did the preaching. It's great that we did all these miracles. Like, that's great. I love, love, love that. But I just want you here with me. I just want to spend time with you. I just want intimacy. It says, let's go to a deserted place. Verse 11. But when the multitudes knew it, they followed him, and he received them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who had need of healing. What we see in this verse, why this is an important verse, is this intimate time in this deserted place it wasn't just for the disciples because they did the miracles. Jesus said, actually, I want everyone to be with me in that deserted place. And Jesus, because he's Jesus, can have uh, multitudes around him. 
but have intimacy with every single person. He said, it's not just for the elite. It's not just for the priests. It's not just for like the high. I want everyone to be with me in this deserted place. That includes me and that includes you. Verse 12, when the day began to wear away, the 12 came and said to him, send the multitude away that they go into the surrounding towns and country and lodge and get provisions for we are in a deserted place here. The disciples say, send them away because we're in a deserted place. And Jesus is like, that's the whole point. I'm not sending them away. I've been trying to get them to this place. It says, send them away so they can go back to their lives. Send them away because so, they got stuff to do. Send them away because they're busy. No, I don't want to send them away. I'm not sending them away. I'm drawing them in. And that includes me. That includes you. Verse 13. But he said to them, you give them something to eat. And they said, we have no more than five loaves and two fish unless we go and buy food for all these people. There are about 5,000 men. Then he said to his disciples, make them sit down again. He said to his disciples, what? He said, make them sit down in groups of 50. And they did so and made them all sit down. Pause at this. Make them sit down. Why did he make them sit down? Why did he make them sit down? So there's like a spiritual reason, but I'm just talking about like a literal reason, logistically. You ever thought, how would you feed 20,000 people if you had to? There's 5,000 men, okay, then plus women and children. So let's say one woman for every man and probably two kids for every, so estimate 20,000 people. How would you feed 20,000 people? Logistically. I'm a logistics guy. Remember when we did like the temperaments? I, there's a little bit of blue inside me. If you're a blue here, you think about these things, okay? I'm reading this. People are meditating or whatever. I'm like, how did he get the sandwiches to all the people? Like, is it, was it like waiters? Like, where was it like, okay, you know, like they were serving, like, can I take your drink order, whatever it may be? I think maybe it was buffet style. Maybe they just set up tables. And I hope if they did, the critical rule for all buffets, if you're a bu buffet novice, you need to know, anytime there's a buffet, there's always two sides to the buffet table, people. Two sides to the buffet table. Nothing drives me crazy when everyone's lined up on one side. Thank you very much. Two sides, okay? Because you can grab the salad while I grab the bread and we can then switch two sides. Maybe they did buffet style. Maybe what I'm thinking it, truthfully, if I had to decide how am I going to distribute 20,000 sandwiches to 20,000 people, the first people I would call, I'd call Chick-fil-A, okay? Because I figured they could organize it, okay? They'd get their drive through staff and like in no time, okay, everyone would have their sandwiches and they'd be in good shape, but they're chicken, not fish, so I don't know how it worked. <laughs> but if you ask Jesus, Jesus, how are you possibly going to feed 20,000 people at the same time? He says the answer is simple. Make them sit down. Make them sit down. In other words, make them stop running around. Make them stop talking. Make them stop being busy. Make them sit down because the principle here, this is a principle for these guys in Luke chapter nine. This is a principle for you and me tomorrow and every day for the rest of our life. And that's it. Sitting with Jesus is the only way to be fed by Jesus. Sitting with Jesus is the only way to be fed by Jesus. I remember when... Our kids were young. Marianne, my wife Marianne, loves to feed. Okay, like everyone, like some people love to teach, some people love to sing, some people love play sports. Marianne loves to feed people. Like this is like the happiest day in her life. Like she loves to feed. The kids would sit at the table for a little bit, and then they would get up. Our kids were not good eaters, and they would want to leave the table. So what would Marianne, as a good Middle Eastern mother, what do you do in that situation? She follows around. She follows them around, okay, with a spoon. One more, one more, one more, one more, one more, one more, okay? And then they're walking, and they get this, you know what I mean? One more, one more, one more. And I can't tell you how many times I came home, and I found Marianne chasing the kids around. One more, one more, one more, one more, one more bite. And I'm telling you, okay, 
The food ended up everywhere except inside the kid's belly. Food in the hair, food on the shirt. One time there was spaghetti on the fan. I don't know how that happened, but like food was everywhere. It was an absolute mess because the principle is it's impossible to feed someone until they sit down. And I'm telling you, I'm asking you the question. Is God chasing you around every day? One more. Is God chasing you? Like, please, you haven't eaten. Please, I'm begging you. I have nourishment for you. I have food for you. I have guidance for you. And we're like, well, busy, busy, busy. And he's trying to like, you know what I mean? Like sneak another one in. How many of us run from one activity to the next? Run from one distraction to the next? Run from one meeting to the next? One activity after another. And then we get to the end of the day and we're like, where are you, God? I feel so confused. You never guide me. I feel so empty. I feel like you don't give answer. What? Is it really that we are confused? And is it really that we are hungry and we are empty? Or is it really that we just need to sit down? Sit down. One of my favorite quotes is from a guy named Blaise Pascal. And I don't think he was a spiritual guy as much as he was a mathematician kind of a guy, but he was also a philosopher. And he said this, all humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit quietly in a room alone. That's deep. All of man's problems stem from his inability to sit quietly in a room alone. Said another way, all of us, like Martha, we run around. We run around and we're frustrated and we're empty and where's the joy and where's the peace and where's the guidance? And the answer to the question is, it's in the chair. It's in the chair that you walk by every single day. Back to Luke chapter nine. Jesus said, make them sit down, verse 16. Then after they had sat down, then he took the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke them and gave them to the disciples to set before the multitude. So they all ate and were, is a very important word, they all ate and were, filled and 12 baskets of the leftover fragments were taken up by them they all ate and were filled they were satisfied i don't know this to be true okay but it's just in my head i'm reading this they were all running around they were all hungry they were all empty they sat down he fed them and i feel like there was a collective belch (laughs) a collective that took place in a spiritual way meaning we are full we are satisfied like the belch of satisfaction after you've just like the, the, the buffet at CC's or Sizzler, or like that kind of a belch, okay, where you just, I'm full, I'm satisfied. It would never would have happened unless they had sat down. So this series, like I said, we're talking disciplines because disciplines, as we talked about last week, the only way to success in any area of life, the only way to success in area of life is consistency and consistency requires discipline. Last week, we looked at the discipline of our spiritual, of our, our book of hours, our Egbeya prayers, our daily structured prayer. Hopefully, you were able to make some headway in that. Today is the, co- is the companion to that. After we have spent our time standing in prayer, exercising our spiritual muscles, doing our spiritual reps, then we need to sit down and we need to let Jesus feed us because sitting down with Jesus is the only way to be fed by Jesus. What we're going to do right now is, like I said, Like the people on the hill, I think all of us are in need to sit down and and be fed. I think a lot of us today are empty. I think a lot of us are hungry. And the answer why we're hungry is because we skipped dinner. 
So what I want to talk about practically, very, very quickly right here, is what does it mean to sit down with Jesus? Like, how is that supposed to look? And I want to be practical, but I'm going to move kind of quick right here. But I'm going to make this easy for you. In your handout, if you picked up a handout today, at the bottom of your handout, there's a QR code. And if you scan that QR code, it will take you to a link online with a two-page PDF of how to do quiet time, in my opinion. So that gives you a lot more detail. But I want to run through some of the highlights of it right here. Okay, but you have all that you can look into later. If quiet time, or, and by, by the way, the expression quiet time, sitting with Jesus, devotional, whatever, call it whatever you want. I'm talking about sitting with Jesus, being fed by Jesus. I'm going to use those expressions interchangeably. Why is it important? Three reasons why it's important. Number one, sitting with Jesus, it's how I become like Christ. It's how I become like Christ. You may have seen this before, that the longer two people live with each other, okay, they say, like a husband and a wife that's been married 50 years, the longer they live together, the more they look like each other. They also say it's with your pets, okay? I don't know if it's true or not, but you know, you've seen like the Jerry Springer with the man who looks like his, you know, whatever. Okay, I don't know if that's true or not. But I do believe that the more time we spend looking at Christ, the more time we spend looking at Christ, beholding him, we ourselves become transformed. And the reason why I'm saying that, because that's actually what St. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. He said, we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the spirit of the Lord. The key to becoming like Christ is beholding Christ. We become what we behold. So the more we behold him with unveiled face, the more we look at him and stare at him and see him face to face, the more we are naturally transformed into him as well. Number two, it's how I'm guided by the spirit. So first, it's how I become like Christ. Two, it's how I'm guided by the Holy Spirit. Something, is there a person right here that wouldn't love to be, say, I'm guided by the Holy Spirit. I want to know what the Holy Spirit wants me to do. I want direction. I want no more confusion. I want to walk in his path. Every one of us would say that. I'm telling you, the key to hearing the voice of God, listen clearly, the key to hearing the voice of God is your time in the chair. Not saying that you're going to go and he's going he's to tell you which job to take or which girl to ask out or, or whatever it may be, but I'm saying the more time we spend with him, the more our ear becomes in tune with his voice. 1 John chapter 2, verse 27. It speaks about the anointing of the Holy Spirit. It says, The anointing which you have received from him abides in you, and you do not need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. According to this passage, we have 24-7 access to the almighty God who will guide us and lead us and knows the answer to everything. Yet somehow we walk right by and we go to the blogs. What does the blogs tell me I need to do? We walk right by the Almighty. What a people, what a TED Talk, what a book, what a seminar. We walk right by, we have the answer right there in front of us. True story. Okay, and I might have to uh, change some of the details of the story because the person I'm talking about is kind of in the room right now. There's a member of my family. <laughs> There's a member of my family who is a great person, saintly person, someone I admire very much. But this person, a little bit older, wasn't a fan of GPS, okay? And up until probably about a year or two ago, maybe even a little bit less, was like MapQuest. Meaning like you tell the person the address and they go to MapQuest, print out the directions, and then use that to go. You guys remember MapQuest? Like some of you are too young to know what MapQuest is. You'll find it in your local museum or something like that. 
MapQuest was, okay, you print it out and it's like, you know, unnamed road, 0.1 mile, unnamed road, 0.1 mile, unnamed road, 0.1 mile. And there's a person in our family who had a very nice cell phone <laughs> and had all the GPS capabilities right there, but they just, yeah, you know what? Just send me the address and I'll go to MapQuest. They would print it out even though they had the thing. And you want to say like, just learn how to use the GPS and make your life much easier. And I feel like somehow we're kind of the same way. Like we got the answer right there, but we're like, no, I need to read a book about this. And we're like, we got the, the source right there. But we're like, is there a TED talk on this? Or is this blog by somebody who nobody even heard of this person before, but they have a blog, they have all the answers. And right there, we just walk right by the chair. We don't want to be like that, okay? But we love this person in our family, okay? And we appreciate all they've done for us. <laughs> so number one, our, our time in the chair, it's, it's how we are transformed. It's how we become like Christ. Number two, it's how we're guided by the Spirit. And number three, it's how I'm blessed by the Father. You know, there are, are several promises throughout Scripture that deal with so many different areas. But if you want to find a promise based on be successful, there are two promises that clearly God is saying, if you do this, you will be successful and you will be prosperous. And both of them have to do with your time in the Word of God. First one is come Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. It says, The book of law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. The one who dwells on the word of God, the one who meditates on it, the one who it's in his mouth, in his mind, in his heart, that's the one who, according to God, says that's the one who will prosper. That's the one who will have good success. It says the same thing in Psalm chapter 1. The very first Psalm says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. And look at the next verse. Okay, he says, the one who meditates on his law day and night, the result, he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season and its leaf does not wither and all that he does, he prospers. That's what I want. That's what you want. That's why you're here. How do I prosper? How do I be successful? Relationally, career-wise, spiritually, how do I be successful? Well, the answer is, it's the time, the one who's meditating, the one who's in the word of God and the word of God is in him. So that's kind of like the why, what, the what happens when we do it. Now, like I said, I want to be very practical and give you some practical tips. Because let me tell you how to be successful. If all of us agree that we need time in the word of God, we need the time with the chair. The worst thing that you can do, the worst thing, better for you not to come here today than to do what I'm about to say. The worst thing you can do is leave here and say, I need to spend more time with my Bible. I need to spend more time in quiet time. Because more will never happen. It's like the person who says, I need to eat healthier. I can't tell you how many times I said that. That's my favorite thing to say. It's very easy. You do it. I say it every day. I need to eat healthier. I need to exercise more. Okay, these are all very nice statements. They lead to nothing. And in fact, I'll make the argument. They actually take you further away from your goal because every time you say it and don't do it, you accustom yourself to saying something and not doing it. I think, again, forgive me. This is where the blue, the, the details, the logistics. I think the reason why we fail is not because we don't have proper motivation. So many people say, I'm just not motivated to read the Bible, or I'm lazy. You're not lazy. Well, some of you may be lazy, but the majority of you are not lazy. Because I know that, because you're very good in your career, and you, you attack things in, in, in life all the time. It's not lazy. I think you don't have a good enough plan. And I think if you had a better plan, you'd find better success. And I think so often we focus on like the back end of like, how do I get more time there? And I think we need it on the front end. 
I think I need to sit now, come up with a plan that makes sense, that I can be successful. Why come up with a plan every single day? I need to come up with one plan that works, and then if I have a good plan, it'll carry me through for the rest of, of my days. So you're sp you're, you, I need a plan, and it has got to be four characteristics to your plan. It's got to be specific. I'm a very specific guy. Number one, I need a specific time. You need to walk out of here today and say, I need to spend more time with God, and the time I choose is this. And you have to choose a specific time. It doesn't matter if it's morning, afternoon, first thing. The only criteria is it should be when you're at your best, not your worst time to God. You give God your best time. So after Netflix, not a good time. It should be before you've reached that point of exhaustion or anything like that. And I'll make the case, like I said, it doesn't have to be in the morning, but I'll make the case that the morning is the ideal time to do it, simply for this reason. If you're going to play in a, in a concert, you have a musical instrument, when is the best time to tune it? Before the show or after the show? When is the best time to sharpen the sword? Before the war or after the war? When is the best time to feed myself? Before the competition or after the competition? You want to be nourished and ready because your day, we talked about this last week, your day, it's a war out there. So I don't want to leave my house. I want to go out there empty and then just hope. And then at the end of the day, no, no, I want to go out there ready to go, ready to swing. Like I want to go out there prepared. And that's why I'll make the case that the morning is your best time when it comes to when spending time with, with Christ. How much time should you spend? How much guidance do you want? How much success do you want? How much transformed like Christ do you want to be? Now, I say that not, not to say that more is always better. Okay? It's not about quantity. It's about quality. But I will say that it's hard to have quality without quantity. So, again, think of it like a date between me and my wife. Okay, I'm not saying that the longer we spend together, the higher quality is. But you're not going to have high quality in a commercial break. Like, okay, you know, let's quick, let's have a high quality in this, in this time here before the next commercial comes on. Like, you need quantity to get to quality. The goal is quality, but you're not going to get there in a very short amount of time. So I don't want to say this. Like I hesitated back and forth. Should I say it a time, not a time? If you got, I, I, I hesitate because I don't want, if you're already cooking here, keep on cooking. But I'm talking about the people who don't know where to start, who have never done anything before, where should I start? But if you've already started, keep going with what you're doing. But if you don't know where to start, I would say a good goal is somewhere between 10 to 15 minutes. That's reasonable. That's practical. Okay, that's not, that's not a huge time commitment. Again, that's less than an episode of your favorite show on whatever dumb thing that you watch it on. That's nothing. It's 10, 15 minutes. It's a good place to start. But again, I, the, the more I can build from there, the better it'll be. The other thing I'll say for a specific time, being realistic, I always like to aim for five days a week, not seven days a week. Okay, aim for five. You get that six day on Saturday, great. Saturday, Sunday's church. But aim for five days a week, 10, 15 minutes at a time. You need a specific time. You need a specific place. Specific place. This is honestly, this is where I think we struggle and fail the most. Because I hear things like, forgive me if this is something that you've said. I'm not just, just, I hear things like, yeah, I do my quiet time. I do it on the Metro. Okay. I do it on the Metro. Seems like the, kind of a distract. Okay. I do my quiet time in the shower. What, what do you think quiet time is? Okay. I heard this one. I do my quiet time with my boyfriend. We FaceTime and do our quiet time. What do you think quiet time is? Because I don't know what your idea is. Because what it is for me is the time between me and my God, just me and him alone. Even me and my wife, it's not quiet time together. She should have her quiet time. I have my quiet time. We can pray together, discuss after. But this is me and my creator. This is me and my good shepherd. This is me and my lover of mankind, lover of my soul. And I'm telling you, 
We as human beings, we associate places with things. If you walk into a church, you naturally have a certain mindset, okay? And I don't know if anyone's a student right here, but I guarantee if you walked in this room, okay, and you were a student, you would not have the same mindset as if the rest of us right here. You walk into a concert hall, your mind goes certain places. We need to find a place and consecrate that place and make that place sacred and holy. And just like Moses, when he saw the burning bush, what did God tell him to do when he approached the bush? Take off your shoes because the place you're at is sacred place, it's sacred ground. We need to have a sacred place in our house. I don't care if you actually wear your shoes or not, but I need to approach it as like, this is a place consecrated for my time with God. It's not, so it shouldn't be in front of the place that you watch TV. It shouldn't be a place where you play foosball or anything like that. It should be a sacred place dedicated to your time with God. Matthew chapter 6, verse 6, Jesus says, When you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, key phrase, when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who's in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Shut your door doesn't mean just literally, although I, 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 literally would, I would encourage you to literally shut your door. But it means more when you have shut the door to the distractions. It has to be a quiet place. It has to be a place that's free of all distractions. And for me personally, I don't even do it in the same room as my phone. I leave my phone in one room, and I do my quiet time in another room. Because I can't. Because you hear that, and then the mind goes. Okay? If you hear a ding or hear a notification, then the mind goes. So I'm telling you, choose a place that's quiet. We're going for quality, not just quantity. But in order to get there, it needs to be a specific place. And the other thing I wrote down here in my notes is be creative. Be creative. There was a time before I was a priest, I was working as a consultant, okay, back in the late 1990s, back in the day, okay? My first project was a Y2K project. You remember Y2K? When the world was going to explode? Yeah, we survived Y2K, okay? So as a consultant, IT consultant in the late 90s meant we did very little work, very little work, okay? That was like before, like, they were just handing out jobs, okay? So I mean, we were very creative in how we spent our eight hours a day. Very creative. And one of the things that I wanted to do, I'm not saying because I'm spiritual, I'm saying, I'm saying because I was a slacker at work is really why I'm saying it, is that I wanted to incorporate prayer into my day at work. I wanted to spend time specifically like reading the Egg Bay and spending a little time in the Word of God because, again, that's what we did as consultants back in the day. But my desk, I had like a cubicle. There was no way I could do it there. So I found at the bottom of the stairs a little nook under the stair, like under the stairwell. And that's where I would go because no one ever goes there. First of all, it was like the side exit. No one ever used it. And if someone ever did, it was once in a blue moon. So I'm not saying this because look how holy I am. I'm praying in the stairwell. I'm not saying it like that. But what I'm saying is be creative. Find places. Maybe, you're, maybe, you know, they're, 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 maybe you have an outdoor patio space. Maybe that could be a consecrated place. Maybe if you work in the office, you want a few people who actually goes to an office, there's probably empty rooms in your office where you can go, close the door, Okay, and, and, you know, pretend you have a Zoom meeting with someone or something like that, and you're, be creative, okay, but make sure you have a specific place. Specific time, specific place. Number three, specific plan. What I mean by a specific plan is what are you going to do in those 10, 15 minutes or the 20 minutes that you're going to be there? And again, me, this may not be you. I'm not saying you got to be like me, but I'm very detailed. I have a minute by minute of how I'm going to spend my time in the morning, and I'm not joking. Like, it's like three minutes of this. And not that, I'm, not that I'm looking at a clock the whole time, but I just want to be, you know, like, how much time roughly am I spend in prayer? How much time roughly am I going to spend journaling? How much time I'm going to spend reading the Word of God and rereading the Word of God? So here's a few tips for, you know, your specific plan. <clears throat> Number one tip right here is I'm not a fan of devotionals. 
I'm not a fan of devotionals or study Bibles during quiet time. Truthfully, I think devotionals that you read, again, more power to you if you enjoy it. That's great. That's not what I'm talking about. Because a devotional that you read, you're going to spend 90% of your time reading somebody else. You're going to read two verses and then read all these words that somebody else wrote. And I'm not against it. It's a good thing. But I'm telling you, my opinion, just my opinion, the death of our ability to hear God's voice, I think is correlated to the amount of time that we spend in devotionals versus just reading the word of God directly. Sorry to say it. Because what happens is, I read, like I said, two verses. And before I even have time to say, what is God's message to me personally? I already read, I read the devotional, what his message to, 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 to everyone else is. And I think God has a specific message for me and for you. So I want to get away from the study Bible. Study Bibles are great, but just not for this. I want to get away from the devotional. They're great, but just not for this. And I want to spend time, just me and my God alone. The time with the devotionals. This is like the couple, the married couple that is always out on double dates. Like double dates have their place. But we need that one-on-one -on -one time. And I need time, just me and the word of God, where I read it and I don't understand it. So what do I do? I read it again. And I don't understand it, so what do I do? I read it again. If I have the devotional, I'm just going to run to the devotional. I want to read it again. I want to read it again. Me, I'm a think, I write like to think to write. So I'm going to wrestle with it in my journal and why he said this and maybe this. Okay. And I'm, as I'm thinking, I'm, as I'm writing, I'm thinking through it. I'm meditating on it. So I want to wrestle with the text more than I want to just jump to what, again, what this blogger says that it means. Next tip. If you thought you hated the first one, you're going to hate this one. I read the Bible on paper. Remember paper? <laughs> Let me be more honest. Sometimes I read the Bible on my iPad. Okay? Sometimes I read it on my iPad. iPad is okay. Paper is the best. Phone is unacceptable. Phone is unacceptable. Because remember how I said a sacred place? This is not a sacred place. This is not. Because we do all kinds of junk on here. And as we're doing this and we're reading our Bible and then ding, little comes up. Or you know, while I'm here, let me just check my email. Or let's see what the weather is. Or what did my cousin in Australia eat for breakfast today? Oh my goodness. <laughs> Don't do it on your phone. I promise you. This is the worst thing for you. Invest in a paper Bible. I'll get you a paper Bible. Just go to the nearest hotel. Just open the thing. Take one, okay? Like, they're everywhere. Just do it. Try the paper Bible. Just trust me. Try it for a week. I promise you. It will increase your ability to focus exponentially. Just try it for my sake. If you want the iPad, I will allow iPad, but it can't be an iPad where you watch movies. Like, my iPad here, this is my church iPad, so it can't be an iPad where you watch movies, can't have any notifications on, can't check your email, any of that stuff. Me, personally... I'm not strong enough to resist the temptation. I'm not. I'm going to check my email. So for me personally, just put it in another room. And read it on the piece of paper. Okay? That's that. Oh, the other thing, I believe in journaling. I'm a big fan of journaling. I would strongly encourage you. If you knew that Jesus was going to be here today, you have a meeting with him, would you bring a piece of, a piece of paper and a pen? Absolutely you would, if you knew he was going to speak. So, so show up expecting God to speak. Show up with a, piece, with a piece of paper and a pen and write something down. And my principle is, if I wrote nothing, I probably learned nothing from my time in quiet time. Last tip. Last tip gets us to not about the what, but more about the how. So we need a specific time, a specific place, a specific plan, and then a specific posture. When I say posture, I mean a mindset. I mean an attitude. Because any, as in any relationship, your time is only as good as the effort and the mindset with which you go into it with. 
Marianne and I have been married now 21 years. We've gone on, that means at least 21 vacations. We go on a vacation every year and sometimes multiple. And it, we've been to, we've been to the Bahamas, okay? We've been to Dominican Republic, okay? We've gone to all kinds of fancy places before we had kids, okay? When it was just two tickets, okay? <laughs> but if you ask either one of us, all the places we went, we went to Cancun, all the places we went, you ask her, what was the best vacation you ever took? She would say the exact same thing which I would say, which is, which is what, Marianne? Go ahead and say it. Winchester, Virginia. <laughs> Winchester, Virginia. Anyone here from Winchester, Virginia? No, okay. You know why no one here is from Winchester, Virginia? Because there's nothing in Winchester, Virginia. <laughs> Winchester, Virginia is out 66 West. And then, you know, you just you keep going, the earth ends, and then you hit Winchester right after that. <laughs> Sorry if anyone's from Winchester. I know we got people in Leesburg watching this. My apologies if anyone's from Winchester. There's nothing to do in Winchester. Like, I remember we went to the Apple Blossom Mall. That was the highlight of our trip, okay? The, that's what it's called, the Apple Blossom Mall. And we, we just, we got ice cream. We probably went bowling. Like, we played board games. Like, it wasn't about, this is, sometimes people, vacation in this place. And the, what made the vacation great was not the amenities. It was not the places. It was the time together. The time that we had with one another. Praying the whole time. <laughs> Praying. That's what makes it. And I'm saying with our time with Jesus, it needs to be the same thing. Sometimes we get too focused on, like, what's the right place? And which is the right, what should I read? Should I read this or should I read this? Or like this journal or this journal. I'm saying all that stuff is important. But in the end, it comes down to my posture, my mindset. I love this verse in Matthew 9, 29. I think it applies in every area of life. According to your faith, let it be to you. According to your faith, let it be to you. So I'm telling you, tomorrow morning, you're going to show up at the chair. What do you expect? You expect it's going to be boring? According to your faith, let it be to you. It will be boring. You expect nothing's going to happen? You're 100% right. Absolutely nothing will happen. Or you expect to hear the voice of God. Or you say, I'm showing up, and I'm not leaving here till I hear God's voice. I'm not leaving here till I connect with my heavenly Father. Then I say to you, according to your faith, let it be to you. Because how you show up is just as important as what you do when you get there. A couple of verses, Psalm 63, verse 1. It says, oh God, you are my God, earnestly I seek you earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Jeremiah 29, 13, you will seek me and find me when you search me with all your heart. So I hope that as we leave here today, go about your day, go out to lunch, do your barbecue, enjoy, because we're starting a fast tomorrow, so enjoy your day. But as we approach bedtime tonight, I hope that you will be thinking as you go to bed about this chair for tomorrow morning. And I hope that you will schedule it into your day how you are going to get there for at least 10, 15 minutes because you will realize that this is, like I said, the most important place in your house and the most important time in your day because this is where heaven and earth intersect at this chair. Heaven and earth intersect at this chair because if that's where Jesus is, I'm on earth. He's in heaven. When I'm there, I'm with him in heaven. Will you get there or will you say I'm too busy? If you do get there, will you be focused or will you be distracted? Nothing you do will be more important. Things may be more urgent, but nothing is more important than sitting at his feet tomorrow morning. Last verse from Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. It says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him. And I will dine with him and he with me. 
sometimes you get these things in the mail or you see the commercials on TV of like the starving kids in the poor countries, and it's so sad. You see a malnourished kid, okay, skinny in the bones, and it's like, it's so sad. But can you imagine what it would like to see a malnourished kid, that same kid, living in a rich country? Not just living in a rich country, in a rich house. Not just living in a rich house. Malnourished kid, nothing to eat, and his dad is a baker. His, ba- his dad is a chef. His dad is Chef Boyardee for all we care. And his dad is cooking, and the kitchen is open, and there's food everywhere, and there's a kid living in the house, walk by the kitchen every day, and is dying of starvation. That's a tragedy. But all I'm saying is I'm not saying this about you, but I don't want this to be said about anyone here. What if God is looking down from heaven, is looking down, and sees us the way we see those starving kids in those commercials? So my kids are malnourished. My kid won't eat. My kids are, are skin and bones. My kids are skin and bones. That's what our moms used to do, skinny person. Skin and bones, okay, you see this. Our kids are skin and bones. And the saddest part is, there's a buffet waiting for them every single day of fresh food sent from heaven. And I'm waiting with it on a platter to feed them, to nourish them, to encourage them, to give them hope when they're in despair, to give them guidance when they're confused, to fill them when they're hungry. My hope and my prayer is that all of us would make time to get to that chair because it is the most important place in our day and in our house. Let's stand together for a prayer. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word, and we thank you that you are there waiting for us every day. Lord, help us to to commit to this spiritual discipline of spending time with you, sitting at your feet, being nourished by you, Help us, Lord, to avoid the distractions and the busyness and make time for what we know is most important. We ask this in the name of your Son, with the prayers of all your saints. Here, as we pray thankfully, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus, our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the